Heard across the Resonate Regional Radio Network. It's my time, it's my life. I hope you will come along. This is Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland today on the 26th of April. A very good morning to everybody listening to us across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Uh, a very good morning to everyone through 4SB in Kingaroy, 4ZR in Roma, 4VL in Charleville, good morning, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longreach, 4GC Charters Towers and the Hot Country Network, good morning to you. We're going to continue and have a look at a lot of different things today, but the main topic is this debacle around the Longreach Pastoral College. It is still simmering away. The unrest, the disgust, the bewilderment um, has done nothing to um, in any way typify the anger of the general public over the Labor government. We'll talk with David Littleproud. Mike Gearham will join us. We'll catch up with Sean Radnich and much, much more. Anzac Day was yesterday, a special day in our history, and we obviously celebrated it long and hard in lots of different areas to all the men and women that served. And as I said, thank you, and we really honour you uh, every day, but especially on Anzac Day. Let's get into it. David Littleproud, he joins us next. This is Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. You're with Ben Dobbin across rural Queensland today. It's the 26th of April. On rural Queensland today, you're with Ben Dobbin and it's the 26th of April across the Resonate Broadcast Network. David Littleproud, the leader of the National Party, joins us this morning. David, I I will start by saying, mate, our our thoughts are with you and your family with the passing of your mother over the course of the weekend. A a difficult time for everybody, no doubt, and um, one that's um, very, very hard for all of you guys and your family. Yeah, yeah, it was late last week. Um, yeah, mum had a long-running battle with dementia. Uh, it's it's a bug of a disease, uh, and it's just uh, finally taken her. And and probably it's a happy release, but it's still uh, no easy. I, I'm not the first one to lose a mother, but anyone that loses their mother knows uh, there is a special bond. Uh, and yeah, it's been hard, but for my dad, who who's been with her for um, you know nearly fifty years, uh, it makes it even harder for, for the old fella. Uh, he's doing okay, but uh, they've been a strong team. And my dad, who was in politics, couldn't have got there without my mum. She wasn't a passenger; she was part of the the whole the whole show with dad. And um, obviously, the family uh, just trying to put our arms around the old follower at the moment. But he's doing okay uh, for the time being. But we'll, we'll obviously got to work through this over the next uh, next week or so. No doubt, and um, our thoughts are with you. Um, they really are, Dave. Um, Appreciate that. Anzac Day, very, very patriotic day. You were in Nango. It was a very big day. And look, it, it, the one thing we, we know about this is Anzac Day has more importance year on year. It really is now the most important day in our calendar and it, and, it, and it shows by the crowds that are turning out, by the young men and women who, the next generations who are getting up for dawn services. It is a very proud day. Yeah, mate. In fact, even uh, on the Monday, I was at my old high school, Chinchilla High, and the way that the students there put on their ceremony was was an inspiration that they un- I still understand the importance. This is our most sacred and solemn day. And then the crowds in Kingaroy, the dawn service, and the Nango and Yarraman for that services were huge. And I think this just goes to show that our nation appreciates the importance of it, not just what happened 108 years ago that, that forged our nation's identity. It's it actually been lived on, not just through those Anzacs, but those that have come beyond it. Whether that be in the Second World War, in Korea, in Malay, 
uh, Vietnam, Long Tan. You know, think about the battles of Long Tan. You know, a couple, uh, three platoons of Aussie soldiers uh, fought off a couple of thousand Viet Cong, and the Viet Cong tell the Aussie soldiers after the war that they were told uh, after that battle that if they ever saw an Australian, uh, they weren't to engage. They were simply to run. Uh, yeah. Because of the, the the conviction of these men that were prepared to put their lives on for our country, and I got to say, I was given the honour to go to Iraq uh, about three or four years ago, and I tell you, our current defence first uh, personnel do the same thing. They uh, they have that same conviction, same courage, same hard work ethic, uh, but obviously mateship are looking after one another, and it's it's when you get to see it close up and. And in serious times, uh, you, you've just got to reflect on how lucky we are that we do have people that prepare to do that. And when we make heroes out of Instagram uh, creators and sports stars and TV stars, making them heroes, the real heroes in our society are the ones prepared to put uniforms on, uh, whether that be the Defence Force or our Police Force, Emergency Service, they're the real heroes. And we just got to reflect our, our responsibility just to protect that, that legacy. And, and not just one day a year, but every day, just try and live up to some of those principles of hard work, courage, and, and mateship, and our country would be better for it. And it's so well said, and, and it's one of the really um, big things that everybody's learning about this, that there has to be the stories told, and they certainly are getting told. Uh, I think everybody enjoyed yesterday and honoured the men and women that have served our country. So there is so much moving forward that we can from gain from that, and it really is a big part of our history now. David, can I move on? And, and this came out on Friday, and I, I know you issued a statement straight away, but the Longreach Pastoral College debacle um, has hit an all-time low for me with this Labor Party. Now, to recap for anybody that doesn't or hasn't heard the news, AAM Investment Group, uh, headed by Gary Edwards, um, had their proposal uh, rejected, um, which was a consortium of pastoral uh, businesses uh, across Queensland by the government. Now, if you remember, we spoke with Gary. They had meetings, town meetings in Longreach. They had 3,500 signatures from locals and individuals and organisations in the form of support. And the biggest kicker was they had an offer that was far superior than any other offer. Uh, In fact, it was almost $2.5 million more than any other bid. Yet, for some unknown reason, and it's not known to any of us, the the Labor government, headed by Mark Ferner, this decision is all on the Ag Minister, has rejected it. Now, from the Mayor, Tony Rayner, to people in Brisbane, to locals. I've had countless, countless text messages. This is a dog with fleas, David, Um, and this is something that has really upset a lot of people. Um, And it it, it is a concern because we are now in a predicament now where the Labor government are clearly showing their hand that they do not want to train the future in agriculture. Yeah, this is pure insanity, mate. And and I can tell you, I had some involvement in this before AAM got involved. In fact, I, when I was agriculture minister, had NAPCO come and see me with QIC, who owned them, and said they were interested in the long-reach facility. They wanted to turn it back in to an agricultural training facility, what it was built for. Uh, when they uh, came to me with that intent, they needed my help to try and bring together all the pastoral houses to do an environmental scan to see what their training needs were and whether they'd commit to uh, being able to do this. And in fact, AAK was one of those. 
because they were looking to get some foreign investment. And I made it clear that I wouldn't support that foreign investment unless they actually put some some commitment into agricultural training. Uh, and so we took less than a week to ring all the big pastoral houses in my office. Uh, and basically, we got the numbers and then as well as what they were looking for in terms of training, their current requirements, we actually got uh, Rapid to just simply run the ruler over it and, so, and see whether those numbers just from the big pastoral houses itself would be sufficient enough to reopen Longreach to make it financially viable for them, which they gave me the advice it was. So we, we actually gave the advice to NAPCO. This was an opportunity to go and purchase this. They had to go and seek the, the support of their minister, which, lo and behold, is, uh, you know, the farmer's friend, Mark Ferner. I mean, if uh, if if he's friend, who needs enemies when you've got friends like Mark Ferner? And, and Seriously, it's embarrassing. I mean, it's embarrassing he, what he's he done. He is an embarrassment. He is a full-on embarrassment. But then uh, AAM were also looking at it at that point, and from what I understand, we lost the election. AAM and Gary Edwards took the leadership role um, and continued on with that work with those pastoral houses. This was an opportunity to reopen the Longreach Pastoral College in entirety, not being split up and cut off, you know, here and bit sold off. This was to be given back to the community, underwritten by the big pastoral houses, just them alone. There, there was others that could, could use this, but that was the first point of it. It, it had a, a business case that was viable that was going to be able to provide our needs. And Mark Ferner is basically saying he's not interested in agricultural training moving forward. It's yeah. their responsibility. It's always been their responsibility. But then you've got to ask the question, he, he's, you know, how good are business people, this mob are, uh, when they've sold it for a couple million dollars less than what, a, than what someone else was offering? But what's happening to that money? What, what, what's happening to even the sale proceeds of this? Mark Ferner needs to also come clear uh, on what that money is going to be utilised for and where it's going to go because I suspect he'll just put it back into consolidated revenue. Uh, and this is just uh, a city-centric government that's forgotten about the bush, and I'll be very interested to see the, the consortium win, but it's now beholden on this government to come with some transparency about all the bids, and I understand there's another bid that, that missed out that was superior, uh, but it, it didn't go to the heart of training that, that I'm passionate about. Uh, so this government needs to be transparent with all the bids, uh, and, I, and I'd say to Gary and all the proponents, uh, sign waivers of confidentiality, put the bids out there. Let's put the bids out and let people of Longreach actually run the ruler over this, but also the people of regional Queensland and regional Australia because this training facility wasn't just for Queensland. This was for Northern Australia. Uh, and, you know, this is a huge opportunity lost by a minister that is far out of his depth than than I'd ever imagined. Oh, it, it's horrific. Oh, oh. The concern that Mark Ferner had was it was going to turn into a training facility. Why wouldn't you want to train the youth of Australia into the agricultural sector if that's one of the big things that we want to do? That's what I don't understand. I don't think ever will. Um, and, and that actually is the Queensland government's responsibility. Vocational training is a state government's responsibility. But here was an opportunity where it's just a little bit of common sense uh, you could have said that, hey, look, we can actually pass this over to a commercial operator that will reopen a facility. We'll actually, we'll actually walk away with money in our pockets to be able to reinvest into other programs elsewhere in agricultural training. This is a no-brainer. Uh, but the fact that they have, have thwarted this 
uh, raises serious, serious questions about who is the successful proponent and how much training they'll be providing to, to Australian agriculture uh, and particularly that facility and whether it'll stay in its entirety. There's some very serious questions that need to be answered here. The community made it very clear. They made it very clear who, who and what they wanted uh, to run this and, and what they wanted that facility to return to, which was the original intent, the original intent of actually supporting the pastoral uh, houses and the pastoral uh, operators out there uh, in Northern Australia. And the fact that this government has turned its back on it is just mind-blowing. And there, there, there is something going on behind the scene that Mark Burner has a responsibility to come forward and be transparent with, and he won't. Anastasia Palaszczuk's got a social interest in this and actually try and build some credibility back for her government and explain why. Yeah, it, it, it really is uh, a debacle. I've had countless, countless phone calls about it um, and obviously so many people disappointed. Um, we're we're going to talk with Mike Gearin shortly um, and obviously they've got some concerns now, AgForce, because they thought that was the education pathway and they don't know w- w- what the pathway is and we will talk to him as well because the flow-on effect from everything here is detrimental. I, I will say this now, and I've been a big supporter of David Christofulli, and, and th- they need to be a bit stronger on this because we've had radio silence of, of, from a lot of the people in that electorate. Now, I understand that they're just waiting and holding a position, but they have to come out and be strong. Yeah, mate. Well, I lead the federal nationals. Um, we made this clear. This was something that we saw as an opportunity when one of the big pastoral houses came and wanted to increase their foreign investment foothold in this country. They have to give something back. And unless you actually use these these trigger points as opportunities uh, and, and actually get something for your communities, then, you know, you lose currency in the electorate. And so it is time for the state LNP to come out and to back the long-reach community, go hard, and, and have Anastasia Palaszczuk uh, held to account with transparency about how this decision was made because this is uh, this would be, if, if it continues on, the way it is, and the winning proponent can't demonstrate the agricultural training that AAM and the pastoral houses of this country could, then there are some serious questions that need to be answered. The people of Longreach are concerned. The people of Queensland are concerned. It is just a debacle. We'll leave it there. Um, there's a lot, lots more going on in the agricultural sphere, but we'll talk in, in the next week or so, mate. Uh, thank you. It's been a tough weekend for you and, and last week and we're, we're really thinking of you, but we really appreciate you giving me some time this morning with what's going on. Thanks so much, David Little Proud. Thanks for having me, mate. Good on you. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland today, Wednesday morning, the 26th of April across the Resonate Broadcast Network. You're with Ben Dobbin. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today. Uh, continuing on, we're now joined by CEO of AgForce, Mike Gearin, who joins us this morning. Michael, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, concern is one word. Um, we need some answers now after the controversial sale of the Longridge Pastoral College. Uh, we've just spoken to David Littleproud. We spoke with Gary Edwards on Monday. Uh, this debacle that has been um, presided over by the Labor government has now really given us a bigger problem is that what is the process moving forward to train our youth? Now, AgForce are looking to finalise some joint training facility ventures together, but we've got a bigger problem in 
education of ag, and that is a huge issue for us at the moment. Good morning. Um, no doubt you were concerned by this outcome that took place last Friday. Yes, good morning, Dobbo. This unfolding fiasco has been going on in slow motion for years, sadly, from the bureaucracy they put across the ag colleges before 2019, which meant they couldn't provide contemporary current training they couldn't recognise the different needs of youth given the broader range of agricultural careers on offer through to the decision to close them down, therefore taking away any ability for ag training colleges uh, in Queensland, the biggest agricultural state in Australia, and putting learning online in the southeast corner. And as you and I know, for people who aren't from the land, there has to be an element of practical training before you go on property, and it was welcomed by young people from there through the process, which has resulted with the assets of the Longreach Pastoral College having been sold. The absolute frustration of that, although, is we won't know until settlement date who's been successful. That's the, So one industry yeah. bid we supported um, has not got up, but we don't know the intentions of those that have. So AgForce, which is really only the collective voice of industry, is saying we must hold those facilities for training the successful proponents we're putting an olive branch out to, please come to us. Please talk about how to get us. Mike, they're not training so facilities. That, that I know you're, you you can't say this, but I can say this, and we, 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 we've been told and we are gagged at the moment about what we can and can't say about who has won this, but this will not be done as used as a training facility. And any and we know what AAM did. They were clear and present. They had town meetings. They had 3,500 signatures from locals in support of companies. They had nine pastoral houses. They had a real platform moving forward. And there was another bid as well that was higher. Yet they've taken $2.5 million less. And if they haven't spoken to you now, that, that would be one of the first things that anybody who was wanting to step into agriculture would be talking to. They would be talking to AgForce about trying to get a pathway there. And they haven't. And and this is the thing that, that happens. Now, I can understand the politics around it from, from your end, but you must be gutted because we had, you know, Mubar Munch, we had all these things. There were so many things that AgForce used to have. And, mate, you've had limited funding. Like, I mean nothing in the whole scheme of things taken away from you. you you've had training resources taken away from you. You've had the pastoral colleges, which we all have talked about for some time, just shut, you know, and yes, were they running at their, at their true potential? No. No, no question about it. But there was another way and it's been done another way by Gary Edwards and AAM and the consortium of, of pastoral houses, yet it still is not enough. Now, the, 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 the thought was he didn't want it to become another training facility, Mark Ferner. Well, where are we going to train the youth moving forward in agriculture? Where does that happen? Yeah, Dollar, and if you're right, it is so utterly gut-wrenching and you could well be right. The other part of it, which is just describes the frustration of industry, is AgForce is simply a voluntary advocacy group yeah. that shouldn't be in the training space, yet there has been over half a million dollars um, cash and in kind put towards building this new joint venture training um, enterprise that we will launch in a few weeks. It's looking for physical facilities, is hopeful of working alongside whoever buys along its pastoral college. But an advocacy group, a small voluntary advocacy group funded by members should not have to put resources and time into building a training facility. Young people should be able to expect 
given their parents pay taxes, education is the right in this country, that for one of the most prospective industries in Australia, a sustainable industry can underpin regions, underpin the economy, should I say, build better environmental outcomes, that the basic training required to allow young people who want to join this industry are in place and are current. And if you are right, Dobbo, if you are right, it's a tragic day. The only hesitation I have at this stage, and you understand where I'm coming from, is let's wait to see, let's put out the olive branch for the next two or three weeks until we find who it is and say, hey, if you've bought that long reach pastoral college, the best thing you can do for the future of Australia is to provide those facilities for training and to work with AgForce or whoever, but ensure those pathways are there. So those young people that used to go to Longreach Pastoral College that haven't been brought up on farms but want to join the industry can find a pathway to do it. So fingers crossed, breath held, Dobbo, you're probably right. I hope you're wrong, um, but we will find out late May. Yeah, well, it shouldn't be that far as well. No, no consultation at all after the tender process, which is a concern. Um, and obviously, we've spoken to a lot of people this morning. The town is gutted. The, the effect it has on a town, they are gutted as well. Um, we, we, we'll, we'll get to more with you. Um, talk about this industry partnership program that um, school that you've brought up. So, you guys have obviously started a. a a schools program, and you know it's it's going to take some time. It shouldn't have to be up to you, but this is the way that you've gone. So, what's the process now? So, there's a, there's a number of elements to it, Dobbo. We have a, a an in school or schooled industry partnership program that remains current. Sadly, this government took our funding from us, so again, it's members that are funding that. That's ongoing, but it needs to get stronger and bigger. And we've put a few thousand school age children through that, so they can get a bit of a sense of agriculture is one option for them to think about as they finish their schooling. This second part, though, Dobbo, has been built from 2019 with the frustration of the closure of the colleges, which is a genuine training um, facility which can allow young people pathways into the industry. It includes elements online, it includes elements of augmented reality, and it includes elements of physical training, actually getting young people into yards so they can understand safety around animals getting young people into the paddock, walking around the horse, knowing which end to stand at, all of those basics of getting on property as one example, as well as technology, et cetera. The next step for that is we make formal application to ASQA, the regulator, for the training licence. And we will be doing that in the next couple of weeks. The website for the new um, uh, training enterprise will be available for people to see. And then we're seeking partners with physical facilities that will work with us. But we will have the training foundation we have Response Learning working with us, one of the biggest agricultural trainers in Australia. Uh, it, it is really good and current and contemporary, but again, it shouldn't be up to an industry advocacy group to go out and build training. It should be a government responsibility because we pay taxes and they have an obligation around education to provide pathways for young people into the careers they want to choose. And agriculture is enormously perspective. We've talked about this. So to deny those pathways for young people is an absolute tragedy. Yeah, you're dead right. You're dead right. Uh, there's lots also going on uh, outside of the training sphere. Um, you guys are working, obviously, with the government trying to get some legislation right. Uh, are we getting any closer to getting an understanding from the state government about this environmental plan? Dobbo, still early days, uh, and as I think you and I have talked about briefly, the most fundamental reform in this country 
comes when both federal and state government are of the same colour. It doesn't matter the colour, but the same colour gives that opportunity. And there is a fundamental reform requirement to put industry and communities and environment Australia on the right footing. We're seeing some encouraging early signs, but the critical thing and the plea from AgForce to state and federal governments is have industry as a genuine participant at the table from day one with the clean sheet of paper thinking about drafting the policy reform agenda. Don't bring us in when you have a draft piece of legislation for comment and feedback at the last moment. It doesn't make a big difference and it's disingenuous. Bring us in from the start. We are getting positive signals about that, Dobbo, but given the nature repair bill, as the Federal um, Minister of Environment is calling it, given the requirements of COP and the global conversation from the UN, these next few years will be absolutely critical for the future of industry. We need to firstly avoid the mistakes they're making in places like New Zealand just across the Tasman where they're putting punitive taxes in which will take investment away from industry, investment away from climate and environmental outcomes and perversely provide exactly the opposite of what they're after. We've avoided that and credit to the government for that but that's a very small first step. We now need to sit down and think about fundamental reform which will give young people confidence in the regions, industry confidence, put the policy platforms in place needed to take us forward strongly, and then, as you and I have talked about this morning, put in place pathways for young people to join. Yeah, well said. Really appreciate your time this morning, Mike. Um, Lots of concern, but one that we can continue to look at and, and obviously have some more discussion around. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. Thank you, Dobbo. Good on you. We'll take a break. Come back. Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Gary Wan from Ray White Rural Gracemere joins us this morning as a record price was paid for an Australian border collie at the Working working Dog uh, was broken. Uh, all things broken out of Rockhampton. Unbelievable um, what has gone on. Gary, good morning. How are you, mate? Good, thanks, Ben. How are you? $33,000 for a working border collie. Unbelievable. What a, Talk to us about this. This was an unbelievable set of circumstances that took place last Sunday. Yeah, mate, it was. Joe Levin um, produced a, an outstanding dog, went back to a cartoon, cartoon boot, uh, boss, um, and out of a real good bitch he has called um, Goldie. Um, she's bred a lot of good pups before and um, – Joe, he's a great supporter of the sale, and he's been prepping this dog for over twelve months to come here for this year, and, yeah. and taught him and do a lot of you know a lot of things that the bush people need, and um, yeah, he he nailed it. Joe has had a, a, a very long career and, and, and very well known. He's out of casino and, and he, he works very hard on his dogs. And, and it went to a Queensland owner, James and Helen Parker of Monto. Um, they bought bought the dog, which is just a, a phenomenal um, price, 33000 And, you know, you'd pay that for a good horse and some. You know, a good man costs you a lot more. And these dogs, they can they can do a lot – a lot of stuff that people can't do and horses can't do. So the value in it um, long term is is really big. This dog will obviously go to work and, and, and be also part of a string with obviously the Parker family. Yeah, that's right. And just going back to what you said about you could pay a lot of money for a good horse and whatever. Um, <clears throat> an older gentleman told me several years ago, he said, you can ride a dumb horse anywhere and get cattle to the yards. He said, but you can't work a dumb dog and, and – 
it's showing with the prices. You know, you put well-bred dogs up and they're um, they're getting cattle to the yards for people. So it's one of the, the things that they need to do is look for their breeding. And, um, and I think Joe's nailed it. He does that. He follows their breeding. He knows what clicks with his dogs and, and he, yeah, it's working for him. Unbelievable sale, mate. Um, when you look at it, 112 working dogs offered, 98 lots sold on the day. Um, in the dog section, 36 of, of 42 sold to average 8,756. That's up almost 1,600 bucks. That, that, that's a great result. Yeah, mate, it's huge. <clears throat> it, it is really huge. Um, yeah, knowing what effort goes into it, it's, it's, um, it's really good that buyers and vendors um, and, you know, can I come here and appreciate what we're putting together? It's um, it is, yeah, it's a big, big weekend. It takes a while, obviously, to get something like this up and operational, and if you build it, they will come, and it's been a slow burn for you. But you've now got dogs going across the country. You know, it's not just immune to just here in Queensland. They are literally going across every part of the country and all from here. Yeah, mate, we've got great support. There's there's um. There's two dogs again this year. One's going to King Island, one goes to Tasmania. Um, we've got another one down in South Australia. There's a couple in Victoria, you know, in the bottom of northern New South Wales. I didn't hear anything going to the Territory this year or Western Australia, but look, to get that support from Australia here in Queensland from us, knowing it's a big challenge for them to get them home, which it is, because um, I've got them dogs in boarding kennels or in my own kennels at home and we'll get them on dog movers to go to where they got to be. But to get that support from Southern Australia is is just fantastic from where I sit. And it's that's obviously, it yeah, and that's obviously also, and I say this with the deepest respect, making you guys like the Rockhampton working dog sale being now it'll just go bigger and bigger. It's showing that it's a it's a destination to to purchase and to buy top quality dogs. And you talk about like I'm looking at this and thinking, you know, the pup section, you know, age four to ten months, so seventy lots offered. So a lot of people wanting to handle their own dogs and obviously train them their own way. You're averaging close on five thousand dollars. That's that's huge. And look. They only get that good breeding, and I mean, it then goes back to the owner. But there's a real opportunity there for for people to purchase top quality lines, um, a beautiful bred dog, and then go on from there, and then have an opportunity. and And it's something that obviously, you know, the sky's the limit with these kind of sales. Um, if you'd spoken ten years ago about a dog sale, people would have laughed, and now there's a place for it. There really is. Yeah, that's right. But we saw a bit of a hole. Tim Flynn saw a bit of a hole in dogs, you know, being able to make a sale out of it back in 15 and we chipped away and chipped away and probably since 21, um, beef 21, we've sort of gone every year and I think that makes a big difference for it. And <clears throat> there is definitely space for good dogs, good well-bred dogs and um, in the market for sure. 335 individual online bids were taken. How <laughs> the world's yeah. changed on Stock Live. <laughs> Yeah, well, last year I haven't got to sit down and get all this stuff in my head yet, Ben. But I know last year we had people looking from America, USA. You know, like for their, us, for them to be looking at us. Yeah, that, awesome. That's, that's pretty tremendous. Like even if they're just looking, one day someone will go, "I'm going to try that dog. That dog. I've been seeing that breeding a bit. You know, the last few years, and they'll do something there." And I absolutely agree, and I think this is the right way. Ray White, we're really doing it well. Um, out of Gracemere over the weekend. A record price paid for an Australian Border Collie working dog um, was had, and at $33,000, uh, it was Joe Levens of Doubtful Creek via Casino. Joe, it's 
been a long time. He works at the abattoir, breeds a good dog, um, a really good human being. And um, he's obviously uh, sold to James and Hel- Helen Parker of Monto. They run a Wagyu beef commercial operation near Monto. And uh, that dog going back there, which is just fantastic. So a great result. Good on you, Gary. Great to chat, mate. Congratulations. I think it's fantastic what you guys are doing. And I think it, it's a really, really great boost for the industry that there is these sales. And it's only going to get better and better. And well done to Ray Watt Rural in, in the process. Good on you, Ben. Thank you. See Thank, you next year. Thanks, mate. We'll take a break. Come back. Rural Queensland today. That's a great story. That's great. Uh, Sean Radnich joins us next. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today. Let's go to Charleville, Mayor of the Murwash Shire. Sean Zorro Radnich joins us this morning. Zorro, good morning, mate. Um, and the council has announced the closure of a local travel agency, Western Travel, uh, but you've implemented an, a, a plan. Talk me through this. Good morning from Charleville, mate. Good morning, Dobbo. It's an absolutely beautiful day here in the uh, in the original Ville, we call it Dobbo. But uh, yeah, mate, we've had, um, unfortunately, um, one of our local businesses, Western Travels, um, unfortunately closed its doors. And um, can I say, I just want to thank Heidi Rogers for her contribution. The last three years have been very tough, especially in that space. And she uh, had a crack and unfortunately it hasn't come off. But I wish Heidi all the best for the future and whatever she chooses to do, Dobbo. But this is one of those businesses, unfortunately, travel agents, smaller travel agents especially, that's really struggled um, with the COVID-19 closures and um, and travel's changed. We all know that. We all know the situation. But, um, yeah, unfortunately, um, so we as the listeners know, we fought so hard to get those cheaper flights with Rex and um, Council have worked very hard in that space. And those were sort of predominantly all booked through the travel agents. That, those residence flights had to be booked through the travel agents. So there's been some very fast talking in the last three to four weeks trying to figure out what we're going to do and um, make for the interim uh, we've come up with a solution and very thankful to um, Peter Flynn and Maranoa Travel that they've stepped in with um, with Rex and um, so the residents of the Murway Shire can book their residence flights through the Maranoa Travel but it's only yeah I must stress that we are looking at options to bring that business back into the Murway Shire where the council take up that um that option or we have actually uh, there's been some general conversations within the community that potentially a couple of businesses could come forward to put that in yeah to to value add to their business to potentially make them more viable too so there could be a silver lining but um at this stage mate it's um yeah pretty dire and um unfortunately for western travel we've lost another business in charleville is it because they didn't get the support or is it just because of the, the situation of covid i mean I've seen this in myself. I've been in a situation as well, and I say this nothing, no disrespect. That you know, sometimes we don't look within; we look without. And you go and you book travel outside, whereas if everybody gets and supports, you know, a business in town or an overseas trip, you know, like and and goes local, well, then you know you might pay a little bit extra. But I tell you what, it all goes round on the slippery slide. It, it does, although, and, and can I just say, like I said, I'm from conversations with Steve Jones and just talking about this space that I believe the attrition rate for these smaller travel agents since COVID's something up around that 70% of closures. So tough gig because all you're operating on is a, is a commission based. It's yeah, um, very hard. And can I say that's the reason why um, that within that, we're very happy to partner with Rex in that regard because they have in that um, contract that it, these residents flights, which let's face it, so it's not it's not huge. It's thirty three percent of the plane are set aside for residence flights, not all flights either. But um, so 
you know, so I can't quite comment whether it's not the support, but definitely COVID-19 and people booking online definitely hasn't helped um, in any regard, especially with all those retail businesses that um, we all know that uh, rely on that. And you know, they all say that retail is almost a, a thing of the past, but I, I think that's going to change, hopefully. But no, Dobbo, I just I can't comment on that, give any real substitute substance towards behind that. But um, yeah, can I just say it's a pretty tough gig, especially when you're only, I, I believe, you know, fifteen twenty dollars per flight commission. There's yeah. a lot of those to pay the rent, pay the wages, things like that. So throwing like, COVID as country. well, throwing COVID. That's the big thing, you know. So well, unfortunately, Dobbo, um, Heidi um, bought the business um, and then COVID hit, which is. Very, very unfortunate. Fortunate. You got no books to, to validate your figures behind you. you. You know, there's a lot of myriad of things that have happened. And she fought hard. She fought hard for three years, and I commend her for that. She's a, like I say, she, I'd like to thank her for the contribution she's put into our um, into our town. But and wish her all the best for the future. But mate, this is just something that um, we see as a council. We sat down and we talked, and we've talked to the organisation and said we really would like to try and keep this in town, especially for our oldies. They yep. need to book those flights. So when they come, they need that assistance to help book those residence flights. And so whether that's an option, we, you know, we've just sort of more or less said to the organisation, the, the arm of the council, that can we look at all options on what what we have to choose from and move forward. But I'd made like to say, I'm very appreciative to Marinara Travel who jumped in and taken that. So everyone that would like to fly, this is just not for flights either, Dobbo. This is for buses and trains as well, any of that sort of transport that Maranoa Travel can book those for them. And you either do that via an email or via the phone. But, yeah, mate, it's just a thing that we've got to deal with in the um, in these regional areas. And, um, you know, it's one of those um, points where we really want to keep this service in our communities because it's imperative that we have the same the same opportunities as people in the metropolitan areas do. And council are very happy to take that on board and try as um, hard as we can. Yeah, you're dead right. And um, it's one of those... One of those things that, you know, we, we need to support our own, but I'm pleased that the council is stepping up. Some big challenges as well. We've talked this morning, um, we've had David Little proud, and we've also had um, Mike Gearan on. And Zara, you understand the importance of training the youth moving forward in agriculture. This Longreach Pastoral College fiasco that's happened over the, the last week where a bid that is far inferior from a financial perspective and and we've now lost a real platform to train the youth in these pastoral colleges because the government don't see fit. There's a real worry about keeping kids in the bush. I know you guys work tirelessly from it um, and you want to get them educated, you want to have them back in agriculture, but we've got to have a training facility for them in Queensland. 100% Dobbo. And like we're very fortunate that the previous federal government saw that base in health and they put that Southern Queensland Rural Health Centre in Charville where for you know, the vision that um, Southern Queensland Rural Health and the, the federal government um, saw that to train them. So it's flipped it on its head. You, you actually do your uh, theory side in Charleville, St. George and Roma, and then you actually do your prac away. So it's completely opposite, and that's the idea. I think last year, out of the 12 nurses that did the first intake, I think four have stayed in Charleville, so that's 33%. So if we can keep 33%, and flip that over to the agricultural. I mean, sure. agricultural holds us up. The whole nation is based on agriculture. I know that we look at different things. We're looking at new renewables and all that, but I'm sorry, Robbo, I tried to eat rocks when I went to Twombly when I'm back in the 90s, and I probably could go back and eat some rocks now to lose some weight, but 
you can't do it. We need we need to make that sustainable, and you can't farm that. I mean, there's so many stories out there with the cotton, with the grain, but they just haven't got the people to be able to um, to be able to pick the cotton and do, harvest the grain and things like that. But then you, our country is, um, you know, we're we're um, agriculture and it's cattle, sheep, goats. We need those people to be trained here and. Yeah, they do this agricultural uh, in the in the uh, metropolitan areas. Although they offer it at school, ag ag classes. But seriously, when they get out here, they just can't. They can't. Um, you know, the house mightn't be up to their standard, and this is the problems that the um, graziers have. So you need to train them here, train them here to keep them here. It just yeah, and we need to we need to really push that to government, and they really need to start seeing that. And maybe we need to push some rocks into the uh, metropolitan area, Dobbo, and. Uh, see how they go. But no, I, I agree. I think it really, it really has got to come down to that they need to train these people in the bush to keep them in the bush. Yeah, you're dead right. Hey, great to chat this morning. Uh, so many challenges and we really appreciate your time this morning. Well, that's it from us here this morning at Rural Queensland today on Wednesday morning, the 26th of April. Have a great day, Queensland. Ray Hadley will join you next and we'll be back tomorrow morning on Rural Queensland today from 9am. Stay safe and we'll talk to you next time from Ben Dobbin and all the team here at Rural Queensland today. Have a great day, Queensland. Till next time, it's bye for now.